when I was little, a favorite game was always hide and seek. Mother never wanted us to play it in the house. She would say, go out in the yard. And I can remember many a Thanksgiving afternoon uh, when all of the cousins would get together and we would play hide and seek. And there was always this countdown. Um, if uh, the older children were in charge, it would start at something like 100, you know. I think that was just done to intimidate the young ones there that they could count all the way down from 100. But time was given for those that were playing to race in all different directions and to find an adequate place to hide. Do y'all remember playing this game, right? And, uh, and so people got into their places, the children got into their places, um, but always, even, even if you were counting down from 100, there were some that were racing back and forth as if they had not had enough time, you know? And so finally, uh, coming down to the last numerals, uh, five, four, three, two, one, and you know what was shouted, don't you? You can say it with me if you want to. Ready or not, here I come, right, exactly. Ready or not, here I come. And so the game, the game begins, and uh, it's initially, the one who is it begins to look. And it's easy to see those that are still moving about out in the yard, having not found their place to be as of yet. But whenever that person who was it would find someone, they would scatter like the wind and begin to run toward home base where that person had done the counting. Uh, what a wonderful game. This is a season of watchfulness and readiness. Some of you may say it's strange to start with a passage of scripture like this, but if you've been around for a while, you know that every first Sunday of Advent, we start with a passage of scripture like this. Um, instead of racing toward uh, the manger and uh, attempting to be beside uh, the, uh, the uh, Christ child that uh, is anticipated in the story, uh, we seek to give ourselves time in order to prepare our hearts and our minds for this beautiful story that is on its way to us. Here in this passage of Scripture, um, Jesus is encouraging a sense of readiness. And it is a powerful sense of readiness that he is giving to us. He is saying this is not something that you should take lightly, but it is something that you should hold closely to your heart and prepare for this return and this time at the end of the age. I had two friends uh, that have across the years impressed upon me that they are prophets of doom. At least that's sort of what I think of them as when I'm in conversation with them because friend number one comes to me and is always, if not in these very words, in sort of the demeanor that he has, he says something bad is going to happen. Now, it may well be because he has lived through so many bad things that have happened, but this has become this this gloom and doom of his life that he imparts on others. Uh, you may have known persons like this too, where they are always in expectation of the very worst that can possibly occur. 
Uh, friend number two uh, speaks these words to me on a regular basis. The end is coming and it won't be long. Won't be long now. And I, I think to myself, these are two people that I don't need to be hanging around with so much because their, their apprehension of what is to come begins to be infectious. And it becomes a part of my thinking as well that surely there is something that is about bad, bad that is about to happen or the end is surely near. That's not the kind of way in which Jesus was communicating to his disciples. He was not threatening them. He was not trying to scare them. He was not trying to make us fearful. We who have read this passage some 2,000 years out from the time that it was spoken. But we still get nervous. Even now when we reflect on it. When we think about the end times. This talk about Noah and about how he prepared the ark and the world around him were observant perhaps, but they thought of this as being the work of a crazy man who would build a vessel so large. And what were they thinking when the animals began to be gathered in and when Noah himself closed the doors behind his family who had entered that space and the rains were beginning and the floods came and swept them all away. These are horrific images that Jesus offers up. This illustration of the importance of being ready. And he would say, as Noah, of course, was ready. He was living in the presence of God. But he also uses the illustration of the field workers, one who was ready and one who was not. The women who were grinding the meal, one who was ready and one who was not. Now, I know you're saying, well, all of this can be taken a bit too far. And I am grateful to you that we are past uh, sort of the left behind season of our culture's life uh, because that speaks to me of much confusion. Um, I don't know if you know the language around that, but those who are millennialist thinkers, those that believe that those who are saved will be removed from this earth before the tribulation truly comes, I'm not sure that that's an accurate reading of the scripture. There are many that would question it, and not just myself. In fact, here in this chapter, there's evidence that that's not the way it's going to be. Although those that believe that that's the way it's going to be have it just right. And they will tell everyone else that this is the way it's going to be. But Jesus speaks even earlier in this chapter, speaking directly to the church and saying that you will be persecuted. They will hand you over to be tortured, in fact and will put you to death. Is that some kind of escapism? I don't think so. Jesus goes on to say, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. It's interesting, the notions that we get about scripture and how we work it out in our minds. Jesus was not talking about escapism, nor was he trying to scare us to death. 
with the nature of his return. He uses the illustration of the thief, and we become so confused about that, but it's really very simple. If we knew a thief was coming in the middle of the night, we would stay up and be prepared in order to scare the thief away. But we don't know when that's going to happen. Now, some of you have heard me say that my parents uh, were broken in on in their house. They were watching television sitting in their den. And as they watched the TV, there were two thieves standing immediately in front of them. They had simply slit the screen on the side porch of the house and lifted the little latch that's supposed to be keeping everybody out, you know. Lifted the little latch and just eased into the den because, of course, mother and dad were enjoying the evening breeze that was coming in off of that side porch and the door was wide open. They weren't worried about being broken in upon and yet they were startled when it happened. I cannot help but think that God was with them. They had a crowbar, one of them did, in his hand. I don't know what they were thinking of doing with that, but mother and dad sat very still and just observed all of this happening. One of the thieves ran to the back of the house, to their bedroom, I suppose, to find all of the jewels that they had gathered in there over the course of their life. And of course, they found nothing but costume jewelry. Um, he gathered it in, grabbed a VCR. Were those things valuable at some point? And they were back in the den together, and the thief that had been gathering things came over to my mother and began to remove the rings off of her finger. When all of a sudden, the other thief said, oh man, those are her weddings. And he dropped my mother's hand and did not take them. Interesting ethics among thieves. But what is so interesting to me, most of all, is that mother and dad talked about this experience very matter-of-factly. Um, it was frightening to them, no doubt, but it did not rearrange their life. They knew that things can happen that are unexpected. In fact, some of you have had to experience this in your own lives. In fact, on multiple occasions that very difficult things that you never expected to happen have occurred for you. And yet, you would say with me that Christ was with you. Am I right here? That Christ has been with you through even the darkest moments. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you will simply live into that readiness... That watchfulness. And boy, isn't this a song that we need to hear? Not only at the first Sunday of Advent, but throughout the year we need to be living into this. Because we don't know when things are going to go awry. Favorite things of mine at Christmas time are Christmas cards that we receive and send. And also snow globes 
First, let me think with you for just a moment about the Christmas cards that seem all to bear the message, glory in the highest and peace on earth. They are with calligraphy uh, given such beauty of the angels speaking these words ages ago. And the angel's message is so powerful when we reflect on it. Peace on earth. That means us. That means are we willing to incorporate that peace? Are we willing to live that peace within our lives? I received a handmade Christmas card years ago from a young man who had made some bad decisions and found himself in jail. And so he took a pencil that somehow he had been able to get. He folded an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper in fourths and decorated it as a Christmas card with, interestingly enough, John the Baptist on the front of it, not Jesus. But on the inside, there was to the effect that message of peace. Uh, he wrote, the light of Christ shines even through prison walls. And I thought to myself, he's getting it. I believe it's breaking through to him. Jesus, you know, prays over Jerusalem. Again, that happens less than a chapter in front of what was read for us today. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Boy, that's a threatening image, isn't it? A mother hen gathering her little ones under her wings. And yet this is the message of Jesus. We persist in not being watchful and not being gathered in. Do you remember that John records that Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And even toward the very end of his ministry, just before Jesus' arrest in the garden, Jesus said to those that were listening, The hour is coming when you will be scattered. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me, you hear that, so that in me you may have peace. Anxiety is our worried existence. And it is such a part of our culture. And you and I have allowed that to be the case. We've taken ownership in our anxiety, not in Christ's peace. And I will say there is always something over which to worry. You know that. Whether it might be some fiscal cliff upon which we stand in fear, or whether it be some hurricane that is headed our direction, for sure it's headed our direction. Yes, it's headed our direction. Are fires whose flames 
are blown by desert winds to consume not just a house, but whole communities. And for those who even believe that it's some kind of conspiracy, global warming, even if it's cyclical, is still a threat to us all. What shall we do with such anxiety? And so on to snow globes. That's where they come in so handy because I love snow globes. <laughs> and just to hold one of those in your hand is sort of this unreal world, this bubble of truth that captures peace. And I think to myself, as I look into that kind of environment where even when it's shaken up, everything settles so softly and so peacefully that it can almost calm you for the moment. I do not believe that Jesus would have liked snow globes. And the reason is because he would have stopped back where I started describing them. It almost seems to be unreal. And Jesus would tap me on the shoulder and say, it is unreal. That is not life as we know it. Be honest here. Sue and I have been very dismayed over Advent calendars that we have hoped to put into our grandchildren's hands because in our search online, we have found that it is very few Advent calendars that have anything to do with Jesus. Do you know this? It is awakening for us. But if you do your search this afternoon, you'll find the same. That the culture is finding much different ways to celebrate Advent than that to which we are called. We are called to be an Advent people. We are called to expect the Lord's coming and to prepare for it both in our memory of his coming the first time and in our expectation of his coming again. We are waiting on Christ. And isn't this the reason that we light candles when we pray and when Advent comes? Isn't this the reason that we dispel darkness in the name of Christ who is able to provide peace even in the most difficult of circumstances for those who are watchful and who are ready. Heaven knows when it will all come down. But you and I are called to be ready.